retreat to Gaia House and to this time here together. This is a very long tradition we've had at Gaia House to have a retreat at this time of year. And uh, I know some people tell me it's a preferred option to enforced merrymaking elsewhere. But it's a wonderful time to come, to be quiet, to be still. And for those of you who haven't met us before, just to introduce us, this is Catherine, I'm Christina, very happy to have Paul come join us on this retreat, and Rob, and we will be here with you during this week. So tonight I just would really like to just give, well, we'll all speak, but just to give a little bit of an introduction to um, this week together, because it's, it's really important to have this sense of beginning this evening, really to have this sense of making the transition from your more familiar life to this life here on retreat. And this is more than just a a physical transition. I think to begin a retreat wholeheartedly, we're also asked very much to make a, a psychological and emotional transition, to really ask of ourselves, what does it mean for us to have these days be very dedicated, very wholehearted days? So today your bodies arrive here, and I would really encourage you to invite your minds and your hearts to also land There are, I would, one way of looking at the meditative path is is to see it as these interwoven parts of both the art of meditation or the art of a meditative life and the craft. Another way of framing that would be to see this whole path as having these two pieces of the spirit and the form. And they're both equally important. A meditative path is not just about learning techniques or styles of meditation. In fact, when the Buddha talked about this path, this teaching... He really spoke about living a meditative life. And in that meditative life, formal practice, you know, sitting, walking, all the forms of meditation were given tremendous value. But the formal practice of sitting and walking was one part, spoken of as being one part of a meditative life. So it didn't just speak about practice, you know, something that you you sit on a cushion, you begin, you get up from your cushion, you end, and you go out and do something different. He spoke about the way our formal practice really needs to be in a dialogue with 
wise effort, wise speech, wise intention, wise livelihood, wise action, all of these pieces which include how we are in the world and how we are in ourselves, coming together to live this this meditative life, a life of the Dharma, a life of direction, and a life of dedication. And if we reflect what all of this is in the service of, everything that we do here, everything that Gaia House and other centers are about, these are very dedicated spaces. And in a way, when we come into retreat, we're really invited to join in, to share in that sense of dedication. What is the dedication? Well, certainly part of this Much of this path is really dedicated to discovering inner freedom. It's very much dedicated to finding the ways to bring suffering and struggle and pain to an end. What are we dedicated to here? Not just about our personal world, but our practice really being dedicated to the well-being, the happiness, the peace of all beings through uprooting, understanding and uprooting confusion and delusion and finding the way, really, to live a noble life. That's what the Buddha talked about, a noble life. What does it mean for us to live a noble life? So part of the form or the craft of meditation is really what we explore a lot in our on our sitting cushions or chairs, in our walking practice, we're really learning to cultivate a a collected, a gathered heart. We're learning to cultivate calmness, inner stillness, connectedness, sensitivity, mindfulness. We learn this through developing the practice and the path of meditation. But for that practice and path of meditation, really to develop and to thrive and to grow, really relies a lot on how that, how that practice is undertaken. You know, and it, it's fairly, it's become very apparent to me over many years of teaching and practicing how very easy it is for us to transfer patterns from our lives directly onto our cushion or our walking practice. You know, so people often find themselves, you know, if you're a big striver in life, well, you're unlikely to be that laid back on retreat. You know, if you're incredibly laid back on re- in your life, you know, encountering and embracing the whole discipline of the practice is sometimes a challenge. If we have a tendency or an inclination to be very judgmental or critical, of course, that's going to arise on the cushion. So the way that this practice is spoken about in terms of, of the spirit or the art is really, I think, very well expressed and articulated. Because the, the Buddha, and I think all teachers and practitioners of a time, have really spoken about the foundations, the inner climate in which a meditative practice can really grow. And when it's spoken about more formally in this teaching, 
tremendous emphasis is given to cultivating an inner climate of kindness, cultivating an inner climate of compassion, and cultivating a real willingness inwardly to, to let go, to cultivate a non-clinging heart, a non-clinging mind. And that climate, that spirit, or that art brought together with the craft, the practice of meditation, I think is what enables us to explore what it might mean to live a meditative life. A life of connectedness, a life of dedication, a life of clarity, which hopefully is why we are all here. It's why we're all here. But I personally think there is also many more aspects to this climate of the path, which we will speak about over these days here together. Our willingness to bring patience, our willingness to bring perseverance, our willingness to to cultivate a sense of spaciousness. And it's, it's useful to bear in mind that You know, the word in Pali, which is the language in which the early discourses were recorded, the word for meditation is bhavana, which means to bring into being. So in this teaching, you know, these qualities such as calmness or kindness or, you know, compassion, they're really not considered to be like just fruitions of the practice or lucky accidents that we might stumble into every once in a while. They are actually cultivations. Cultivations which it's very important to be mindful of, really from the very beginning of the retreat, from this evening. So I certainly wish you a very lovely and rich time here over this week. Are you going to... So also very much like to say welcome to you all and welcome to Guy House and welcome to this retreat. Just following on a little bit from what uh, Christina said and talking about two aspects, about the larger life aspect and how the Buddha talked about the the path as a noble path, path of nobility. It's not a word we use much in English, but it's actually pointing to something very beautiful. We're uh, taking care of what is beautiful in our hearts and in our life. In the way, that's what practice is. And in terms of a retreat, as Christina was saying, it's a, a, a dedicated space for what we are most dedicated to, what we most love, what we most care about in life, what we most deeply long and yearn for. That's what all this is about. We set up a space that we can just focus on that, just prioritize that. Very, very precious opportunity, very, very precious space, rare. And one of the aspects 
one of the dimensions of creating that kind of environment, allowing that kind of environment to be there, is the aspect of uh, what's called sila, S-I-L-A in Pali. Sila usually gets translated as ethics or ethical guidelines. It's about how we are with each other, how I am with myself, but how I am in relationship to my fellow beings. Caring, expressing care, wanting to express care, wanting to manifest that. In the Mahayana tradition, they translate uh, sila, ethics, it actually means to care for sentient beings. And how does that get expressed? So, partly, just to realize, we are a community here for a week, or however long the retreat is, about a week. We're a community of human beings practicing together, dedicating together, striving together, asking together. And we're living together for a week. And how we are has an effect on each other. It reverberates. We are affected by those around us and we affect those around us. So the idea of setting up some ethical guidelines to care for that reverberation, to make it a reverberation of care. So uh, there's five traditionally and we're kind of collectively committing, collectively committing to uh, following those five precepts together to support each other. Uh, support each other and be supported in our practice. And the first one is uh, endeavoring not to harm living beings. So even this time of year, it's the middle of winter, and there's still insects and other creatures around. And one might notice a kind of knee-jerk reaction of aversion, wanting to get rid of something. And just the first precept re- realizes uh, that all beings love life and to respect that love in all beings and to try to refrain from harming any living being. In its positive aspect, it's a gesture of, again, caring, of kindness. Second precept is uh, trying not to take what is not given, what is not freely offered. And again, in this situation, everything's set up so that we can dedicate ourselves. There's actually nothing here that we need to take because we have everything that we need. The the motivation behind the precepts is to engender a a climate uh, in in this space of, of trust, of safety, so that one actually... If you're here a little bit, you actually, we actually feel safe. It's almost a palpable sense of being able to let our guard down. I don't have to watch my back. I don't have to think, where did I put that thing? Did I lock this? Whatever. We're uh, giving the gift of trust and safety to each other and supporting that in, in the common environment. The third precept uh, is around our sexual activity as human beings and how we are with our sexuality. Outside of retreat, it really means to use that energy, which is a a beautiful uh, human energy, to use it wisely, 
to use it with respect, again with care, and not abusively. In the context of this retreat, a silent retreat at Guy House, what it really means is um, abstaining from intentional sexual activity for the week. And so uh, in that abstention, a space is allowed. Space of just not kind of getting into that so much, just putting it aside and seeing what else flowers in that space, what other sensitivities, what other stillnesses. But also, again, for the trust, so that uh, people don't have to feel hassled or put upon by that. Fourth precept is around our speech, and uh, I think Catherine and Paul will speak more about this. Um, in our life, what it means is a very difficult precept. What it means is to take care with our speech, not to uh, speak what's untrue, what's harsh, uh, frivolous speech, gossip, or divisive speech. In the context of this retreat, it's actually quite simple because it just means that we're going to keep the noble silence together. And so everyone, again, commits to not talking unless it's in an interview or such. The fifth precept is around what we consume. Uh, traditionally, it's really what we consume uh, through the mouth in terms of what we uh, substances that might cloud the mind, dull the sensitivity, close the heart. And so. Uh, we might also extend that in our, in our life to inquire into what other kinds of things are we consuming through media, through whatever else, that actually affects consciousness in a way that's not very helpful. It's not conducive to openness, to clarity, to sensitivity. It's an inquiry. On this retreat, it's again much simpler because we're together committing to not... Uh, to being completely abstinent in terms of drink or drugs or any, any other substances like that. So, together, all of these, the idea is that they're gestures of respect and gestures of care. It doesn't take long being here to realize that uh, our practice, we are supported by everyone else here by their commitment, by their dedication, by their silence, by their keeping of the, of the precepts. So really wanting to encourage uh, you to feel supported, feel that support is something tangible and palpable. And also to realize that we support. That's flowing out from us too. That care, that respect. And it allows an environment of peace that we can uh, open unguard the heart and, and inquire. Oh. I wish you a very uh, lovely and fruitful retreat. Well, a very warm welcome from me to you all here. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here. And I just want to speak a little bit about one particular quality which I've found very helpful in um, retreat practice but also in general life practice. Um, it's a quality which 
cuts through both the world of exploration of spiritual dimensions and day-to-day life, and it's the quality of simplicity. Um, It strikes me that as we pay attention more and more to the things which occur in our lives, and as we manage to become less entangled with the different forces which act upon us in our lives, simplicity is a natural fruit of um, that practice. Simplicity is the natural outflowing of paying attention and bringing attentiveness and intelligence to how we act and what we do. And there's one quote which I like to remember sometimes by a Tibetan lama called Sokni Rinpoche, who said, um, complicated on the outside, simple on the inside. And sometimes, I don't know if your Christmas was anything like mine, but it was full of people and cooking and cleaning and stuff and lots of different things all over the place. And I, just to survive at one point, I just had to remember, okay, it just felt like this kind of storm of chaos around. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't have to get complicated. I can meet that world with all its changing things which I can't control with just a sense of simplicity it doesn't matter if it falls apart a bit Um, but something I can do is just be simple about it and just meet it as it is as it unfolds and so I find that very helpful and particularly with body awareness as well because body awareness can be quite simple it's uncomplicated, it's not thinking too much it's just okay Presence, unentangled presence, untangled presence. Um, And really what what Rob was just speaking about with the the precepts, they really serve this quality of simplicity. There's so many different forces and pulls that we can experience and we've got this opportunity here to say, okay, I notice that I'm getting pulled this way, pushed that way. But this precious space that we've got here gives us another opportunity, which is to be to be simple with it and to not get complicated about things. To put down the urge to get involved in projects or to get involved in writing things down or planning um, anything. Um... The complicated bit has been taken care of by the setup here, with the schedule and the, the coordinators, um, and the the way everything runs here. So it's really it's really just an encouragement to let that hold you, and not feel that you need to worry too much about what to do next. It only takes a little bit of thinking about and a little bit of our intelligence to get through what needs to be done on the bare minimum. And the rest we don't have to get complicated with. We can just savour being uncomplicated. So having said that, just again to wish you all 
a lovely week and I hope we can all enjoy being simple with whatever comes comes to us. So I think I'll pass you to Catherine. So the form is very simple, <clears throat> and our life and our practice can be dedicated to this quality, but there are amazing ways that our minds work to get more complicated. And probably all of you have been on retreat before, so I have some a couple of practical things to really support that simplicity <clears throat> for us. One thing, uh, so I have a couple of practical pieces here. One of, the, one of the things I'd like to check out with you is how we're going to work with the windows in the meditation hall. We have noticed over the retreats, especially in the winter, when you know, the windows are closed and people have got colds and the heating's on, that sometimes the yogi mind can get complicated around the windows. Right? Should they be open? Should they be closed? And if we're not careful, soon there's window wars in the meditation hall. So what we decided is to save you from the window wars, we would take care of that piece. Um, so what I'd like to propose, um, it won't be open to a big democratic process at this point, but um, what I'd like to suggest is that somebody volunteers... Um, at three different slots in the day, where, between 8 and 8.15, when you're not in here, you're all having your breakfast, someone comes in, opens the windows at 8, changes the air in the room, at 8.15 they close the windows, and that's it. Same thing happens at 1 to 1.15, same thing happens at tea time. And that we've worked with that before, that way the air can get changed, and we can also not just have to do window wars, and then we can support the um, ecology around the heating and uh, just have it hot when it's hot in here. So I'm proposing, suggesting, enforcing um, that. And like to ask for anybody who would like to take on the 8 till 8.15 slot, which means come at 8. Great, Ruth, thank you. 1 till 1.15. It doesn't mean you have to hang around in here while it gets cold. You know, you can leave and come back. Anyone open the windows at 1? Thanks. And we thought 6 o'clock till 6.15. Great. Thank you. Okay. The rest will be your mind to work with. And, of course, if we come in, we'll be at the sittings and we notice it's you know, really something quite extreme in here, then we'll take care of it. Okay. I have been in some places where it does become a little warlike with the windows. Um, one other practical piece is the schedule. The schedule has been up, is now up, and maybe I'll check. Has anybody not been to Guy House before here? Okay. So a very, very warm welcome to you. I know there's a lot to kind of negotiate and navigate towards in the beginning, but this is one of the things. The schedule, which is in the little round hall out there, which tells you what to do now and tells you what to do next. We'll have a wake-up bell at 6.15 every day. 
and meet in here at 6.45 for morning meditation till breakfast at 7.30. A good number of you will have a work period at 8.15 that finishes at 9.15. Please end at 9.15. You may find there is more work to do, like if you're cleaning something, cleaning is endless, but please end at 9.15 so that you can uh, use the toilet, have a drink, whatever you need to do to get back in here so that we can begin the morning sitting at 9.30. So please do arrive early for that time so we can begin promptly at 9.30. And at that sitting there will be instructions every day which will unfold over the week the practice of insight meditation. I won't go through the rest of it, but you'll see it. Sitting, walking, sitting, walking. We'll have guided meditation and Dharma talks also. All of you will be uh, put into interview groups of about seven or eight people, and that schedule will go up tomorrow. It will begin on Tuesday. And over the course of the week, you'll be in two group meetings where there's a chance to ask questions and talk a little bit about your meditation practice. That will be the main place to discuss practice and there will also be some individual sign-up spaces um, put up each day. Um, One thing that we found over the years on this retreat, although I'm not sure it's going to happen this retreat, is that sometimes people come with a lot of colds and coughs and flus, although it seems pretty silent so far. Because we're a big group, we would ask you just to take really good care around that, both of yourself and of the group as well, which means this special uh, meditation coughing and sneezing device, which is if you can and if you remember, please cough and sneeze into the crook of your arm, right, like that. This way, it's not so much on your hands, and apparently it does tend to cut down the spread of things like this. So please take care with that. If you're very sick, if you become sick, please let the staff know. There are some medicines, and they may be able to support you in some way. Um, Also, there's... uh, On the last morning, which is Sunday, we'll end in the late morning and then you're very, very welcome to stay for lunch and hope that some of you can do that. Some of you were wondering about ride sharing and taxi sharing, etc. That will be taken care of on that last morning early, right, in the staff closing talk before breakfast. So all of you will be coordinated who need rides and want to share at that point. So that's the time. If you can let it go until then, it will be taken care of then. And if there's no rides, there'll be enough time to arrange uh, a taxi. bit about the silence to end and then we'll have a short sitting and finish the night quite early tonight. 
what I'd love to do is ask each one of you, who likes, who loves to come into the silence when they come to Guy House? Who, right, there's a few smiles coming, right? You're you're responding anyway. (laughs) Hands up, who likes the silence? None of you are new to the silence. This retreat has uh, people with experience on it, so all of you will have been in the silent environment before. Um, So I want to support that love. Those of you who do love to come into the silence, do love how we can drop, perhaps, not have to engage on the verbal level for a time and to see where that can take us, where that can support us to deepen, to start to sensitize and reorient to an inner quietitude that the outer silence can support. Someone also said to me today, I'm a little bit worried about what can show up in the silence. Right? That person is also someone who also loves the silence. But it's true that in the silence, different things can arise for us. And if we keep faith with our love of deepening and our love of what draws us here, actually, each one of us, whatever may be have been going on in our lives, that deeper thread that calls us to deepen, to keep faith with that, that even when the difficult things may arise, that when we don't put pressure on them, when we don't judge them, when we make room for that in the silence, they tend to unfold and dissolve too. That in the silence there really is enough room for you and whatever arises. the lovely, the difficult, the neutral, and all the ways we can deepen with that. So on the practical level then, please refrain from speaking to each other, which includes writing notes to each other. If you've come with someone, a friend, um, please let them have their solitude. I think I once heard a lovely line, I think it was from Rilke, where he talks about being the guardian of your friend's solitude, the supporter of that, which doesn't mean, of course, we can't enjoy the interaction at times, but something about supporting the solitude in the recognition that there is something about this that can support us to deepen. Let go of reading while you're here. And, if you, and let go of writing, unless you already have a very established writing practice. Then follow through with that, but keep it very simple, just a couple of lines. And if we can let go of the verbal formation, the momentum that is often behind the verbal energy, a lot can open up for us. As you probably all know, actually. (laughs) 
And it is very silent in here very often. Silence does not mean the absolute absence of noise or sound. Of course, there'll be sounds. But letting yourself right now perhaps attune your sensitivity to the way that there is a, a silence that is present right now. Almost palpable. Almost audible. Almost tangible. That something in us recognizes. And let yourself breathe with that for a minute. Breathe with, breathe with the fact that coming into this hall, we actually get to kind of capitalize on the hours and hours of dedication and sitting and presence that has been accumulated here. So let's just sit for a minute in the silence to let, your, let yourself arrive very deeply. So the fuller meditation instructions will be given tomorrow at the 9.30 sitting and in the sitting before breakfast and just now sit with the practice that you have already established. Take a moment to land into this seat, the seat that you're sitting on right now. This is it. We don't go anywhere else. And let your buttocks relax and land. The gravity of your physical presence establishing itself in your seat. Breathing out with the body. Letting the back be upright. The hands soft and relaxed. And your belly with enough room to breathe. Establish the body. Let the muscles of the face relax. There's nowhere you have to go. No one you have to be or project for anyone else. No one you have to become through your face through your body. Welcoming yourself with this breath. And breathing out into the silence. Arrive. Welcoming yourself with this in-breath. 
and breathing out, knowing that you're here. And if there have been stresses in getting here, or busy days, or disappointing days, or lovely days, breathing out and arriving here. Offering yourself the gift of arrival. Into this silent night. So if there's any business that you need to complete tonight so you can fully enter in tomorrow, please complete that tonight. Any last-minute phone calls or... I don't know what other business you might have to do, but finish it tonight. Um, so you're ready to begin together in the morning. Any... Oh, so please also turn off your, your mobile phone that the silence, noble silence includes noble text, uh, unnoble texting. <laughs> I'm sure you can do noble texting, but we'll um, let it go for now. As much as, you can let, as much as we can let go, the more we can open up to, actually. So please turn those off. If you need support with that, you can hand them in. They're, really, they're much harder uh, renunciation, I think, sometimes, because we, some of us can be very glued. Anything else? Okay, any practical questions in arriving? Okay, so wish you a very good night's sleep. 
You can buy, purchase earplugs in the shop should you need them, right? Which is right... Shop's moved, hasn't it? Where's the shop now? Same place. In front of the front door. Okay. In front of the front door. Have a good night and we'll meet together in the morning. Thank you.